The Cincinnati Reds just like playing on the road, I guess, as they take two of three from the San Francisco Giants and a couple of trade targets see their values rise. Steve was actually at Oracle Park and will give us our first stadium review. Plus, a couple of former Reds got ejected for fighting yesterday. I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all platforms where you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, we've taken that passion, and we have turned it into information for you as we are now on our fourth season each, so eight seasons of combined podcasting about the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, on today's podcast, we are going to take a look at that Reds series win that occurred over the weekend against the Giants as they took two of three in the city by the bay. Uh, we're also going to visit the Oracle. And no, I am not talking about the all-knowing fortune teller. I will be sharing a little bit about my visit to Oracle Park in San Francisco in just a few minutes. Jeff, let's talk a little bit about the the series uh, as it was out in San Francisco. And, you know, as you mentioned there in the cold open, uh, apparently these Reds, uh, we have gone from having just one pitcher in home Mally and road Mally. We now just have a whole team, you know, the home Reds, they don't care. They don't want to win. We've got this road show that likes to go into other people's uh, backyard and smack them around a little bit. I almost wonder, and this isn't a referendum on, you know, people should be going to the ballpark, but I almost wonder if they just like playing in front of people. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of Reds fans that show up to Great American these days. There's not a lot of reasons why they should. But when you go to Great American, you can pretty much sit wherever you want. When you're going to these road stadiums, you kind of get the almost playoff-like atmosphere when you're playing good teams like the Giants. And the fact that they played so well, just it, it kind of hits home to me is that it, as much as we love to see them play well at home, if you just watch them on TV, I think that they're all right. I mean, the, the lineup yesterday exploded. And, you know, they were missing some key guys. Uh, you know, Jonathan India was out of that lineup, uh, you know, the night before he took a fastball to to his thumb, basically to his hand. Um, it may catch a break. No. Oh, and he, well, he didn't catch a break. Thank God, because the, the x-rays were <laughs> yeah, negative after the game. But I want to tell you what, it made a very interesting noise when it hit his hand. I was sitting down the first baseline, probably just imagine. I mean, if you check out my Twitter feed at S Offenbaker, I was posting some pictures. But I was basically diagonal, maybe 15 rows back from where Joey Votto would be when he's holding a runner on. So I was up the first baseline into right field. And, and when the ball hit India's hand, it echoed through the ballpark, which was, you know, three quarters of the way full of people. So it, it made some significant <laughs> noise. And I was really concerned in the moment that it was going to be one of those kind of things where the trainers came out and checked on him. He waved him off doing the typical Jonathan India thing. And then after the game, we were going to find out, oh, yeah, by the way, his thumb's broken and he's going to be out. Luckily, those x-rays were negative. But, you know, you talk about this line, this this offensive outbreak from the lineup and India was not in that lineup. Kyle Farmer was out resting uh, to get back to back days off as they have an off day uh, today. So 
for the lineup to break out and the way that it broke out was very exciting and, and very encouraging. Uh, you know, Joey Votto had two doubles in that game. Uh, Nick Senzel went three for three and also reached on a walk. So he was on base four times during the course of that game. So uh, there were, there were guys contributing. And for me, the, the best thing about that offensive breakout was Nick Senzel. You know, we've been asking what is going to happen. What is Nick Senzel going to do? As a matter of fact, um, you questioned uh, his ability to continue to be the center fielder for this team. So, of course, he was going to have a breakout weekend because that is the way it works around here. But, you know, he was listening. You pissed him off and he went out and, and got on base four times. But, you know, every time I'm ready to say, OK, it's time to really start thinking about moving on from Nick Senzel. It's really time to start seeing what can happen next. He has a game like this and reminds us why. He was a round one top five draft pick for the Cincinnati Reds. And if he can just continue to put it together, it would not hurt my feelings to have him in center field for a lot of years. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in, or at least in this case, Nixon Zell. Yeah, he had a phenomenal weekend, probably my biggest takeaway for him and honest from the lineup as a whole. And honestly, I had this question the whole time. And, you know, <laughs> it's that time of year. It's hashtag hug watch season. Here's the thing. Would you continue to bet? on Nixon Zell's resurgence, or if somebody comes knocking, and, and I'm not even saying like a Nick Cantana deal, not like what we got for Tucker Barnhart. If somebody comes knocking to the Reds with an offer of maybe like a, you know, 25 to 30 prospect range, do you do it? At this point, I think the answer has to be yes. I think that you can't, without a large sample size of, oh my God, he's going to be the guy. If someone's willing to give you something of value for him, I think you have to really look at that. And also taking into account what we talked about last week, which is all the guys that are coming up through the system and you're going to have to move some of them to the outfield anyway. You're, you, you've got people that can probably cover that spot. So um, I think I would go ahead and do it. I don't necessarily think that that trades out there, but that was just something that I kept thinking mm -hmm. on my, I'm like, you know, if that were the case, I, I think I would too. I mean, I think that we are to the point in Nixon Zell's career where he's got to show a lot. He's not just a show me player for a little bit. Like, I mean, it's nice that he's gotten his average up over two thirty, and he's looking a little bit better now, but we got to see this for months and months and months. Not just a couple of weeks. There, there's got to be consistency from Nixon. Zell. pretty much the rest of this season, before I'm willing to say that I'm going to pencil him into the lineup as a center fielder in 2024. Now, again, that's also in the absence of what else is there. I mean, I would like to see if Michael Ciani could do it. I'd like to see if the Reds do have a center fielder, like maybe they can move McLean. Uh, I, I know people talk about left field, maybe center field. I, that's just me thinking out loud, but I, I I'd be interested because Nixon Zell is the de facto dude. And sometimes the de facto dude can really make a good case for himself. And, and one other thing that uh, we wanted to touch on though, about this series though, it took uh, Bravo by the way, to David Bell, because it took a long time for him to finally get ejected this year. I, I kind of was, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's probably like the second or third. He did time, that. Right? But, he did that for me. I know he did that for me. That was, that was a great little show. And actually, you know, I had just, if you were following me, um, yesterday during the game um the reds put a lot of runs up quick so a lot of the giants fans were at least up out of their seats and moving around in the ballpark so i i did the same i went to as many different areas of the ballpark and watched a little bit of the game and just kind of take it all in and 
in the ninth inning, I was out um, on that that right field porch between the field and McCovey Cove. It's it's only three rows of seats there. Um, I don't know if you can pick that up while you're on TV or not, but there's three rows of seats, a standing room only lane, a walkway, and then the water. So I moved out there to to kind of experience that part of it. And right as I got kind of got propped up on my rail, uh, that's when Reynolds got that the, made that final out of the top of the ninth, and everything went bonkers. And um, <laughs> you know, David Bell, top of the ninth inning, bring in the fire, man. It was nice to see. I mean, it's funny because the Reds have not been in that much drama, you know, in the last couple of years when it comes to, well, okay, outside of the Cardinals. But, you know, there's no Pittsburgh situation or anything like that going on. So we've seen a lot less fire from David Bell. So it's it's nice to remember that it's there. David David I, Bell going to get mad. And when he gets I, mad. I really think, I really think he just. Uh, absolutely. I really think the the real answer is that, you know, we were heading to the bottom of the ninth and, and he didn't want to stick, stick around to see what the bullpen may or may not do in the bottom of the ninth inning. I really think that that's what it's about. But while we're on the subject of pitching, one thing I wanted to, to touch on real quick, Jeff, is we saw kind of the, the bookends of what's going on with the Cincinnati Reds this season. We saw amazing performances from, you know, a rookie in Graham Ashcraft. We saw a great pitching performance from uh, one of our leading Hugwatch 2022 contenders in Tyler Malley. And then sandwiched in between those lovely, wonderful pitching performances was a great big steaming pile of crap from Mike <sighs> Miner. And I cannot for the life of me figure out how in the world anybody thought bringing him in was a great idea. You know, Nick Kirby and I had a back and forth on Twitter about, you know, you need Mike Miner uh, to come and eat innings. This is Kirby's take. You need him to eat innings. They're going to trade away Castillo. They're going to trade away Mali. They're going to need guys that can just go out there and eat innings and keep you from using the bullpen. And I, I mean, I don't see how Mike Miner being out there was any better than having bullpen out there and if you want to save wear and tear on this ridiculous bullpen then bringing up some guy from triple a that you have no qualms about cutting at the end of the year and just let him come out there and throw until his arm falls off i mean that's what you have in mike minor he was not fooling anybody his velocity was junk his pitches were not moving except quickly over the outfield wall it was terrible it was not fun to watch and be, having just driven seven hours to go watch that game i was pretty <laughs> ticked off uh they made it up to me on sunday but i was mm. not having a good time watching him get pelted in on saturday you know, and this is this is just me, but as you know, as a Cincinnati sports fan as a whole, I, I get a weird cross uh, reference vibe of when I watch Mike Miner pitch, I feel like I'm watching Tommy Tupperville coach. <laughs> it's just it's there just where go. I am. But you know, other than Mike Miner, the Reds are still a lot of fun to watch, but nothing beats seeing them in the ballpark oracle park was dropped into a small space which forced the developers and architects to be creative coming up steve and i will break down this ballpark experience that he had this weekend in san francisco plus if you want to give that special someone in your life an amazing experience head on over to blue nile.com blue nile.com is the best place to get your next shiny gift for your special someone, whether you're looking to celebrate a milestone moment 
or whether you're looking to pop the question, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com because you can build a special engagement ring because it's one of a kind because you can choose the shape, size, and clarity as well as the setting style for that diamond. Plus, if you're looking and you don't necessarily know what you're looking for or how you're going to find it, Blue Nile has experts that can really help you out. They have uh, people on hand 24-7 because if you're like me and you'd almost rather call jewelry shiny things because jewelry is hard to say, experts are going to help you find the right piece for you. Available via phone or chat every single day. Make your moments sparkle. With jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Reds listeners, we'll get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement rings. Use code Locked On. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in the kind of packaging that's going to be completely inconspicuous, so she's not going to know what's going on. Go to BlueNile.com today and use that promo code Locked On. Also, if you want to get your health in check, check out Athletic Greens AG1. What is this stuff anyway? Because look, it's green powder that you're going to put in a glass of water each and every day to start your day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens that are going to help you start your day the right way. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. I think that's all the things. Everything. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. You don't need a million different pills. You don't have to worry about all the different supplements and stuff. It's all in one glass of water. Make it easy and go to athleticgreens.com. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash M-L-B-N-E-T-W-O-R-K to take ownership of your health and pick up on the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you for making Locked On Reds your first listen. Make sure you're following the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, Steve and I will get you set for what should be a fun three-game set in Chicago as another Hugwatch candidate in Luis Castillo will be on the mound. We've also got Hunter Green and Grash... And Grash... And see, I really... So close! Graham Ashcraft! It's going to be pitching. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I love who's Graham Ashcraft? Who's pitching? Graham Ashcraft. Grash... Grash Amcraft. All right, I think we got to, yeah, that's going to be his nickname. Grash, Grash, oh, I can't even say it now. Whatever. Graham Ashcraft's pitching. Steve, you went to Oracle. What'd you think? I want to tell you something. Uh, you know, I've been to a, a lot of stadiums throughout the country and uh, some bad experiences, some good ones. Uh, the stadiums that I've found the most interesting are the quirky ones. Uh, Old timey ones like Fenway Park, where... You know, the stadium had to be designed in a, a unique, interesting way to make it fit in the space they've had available. Uh, the same holds true for the ballpark down in Houston. Uh, and this ballpark out in San Francisco is no different. You know, they sandwiched it into a little piece of land that 
uh, butts right up to the bay. You know, you've got McCovey Cove just over the right field wall. There's a boat harbor directly behind the stadium complex in center field. And then you're looking out into the bay. And if you look behind left field, there's some, there's some cutouts that are viewpoints. Um, you're looking basically at the Bay bridge and then off towards Alcatraz and down San Francisco Bay. So it's, it's dropped into this very interesting spot. And, you know, ultimately uh, it was a good time. I, I, I do want to say that the Giants fans, you know, you go to the ballpark, especially when you're a visitor and you come in and you know me, I am not shy about rocking my gear and wearing my stuff <laughs> and supporting this God awful 2022 Cincinnati Reds team. So the Giants fans delivered just the right amount of smack talk. It wasn't intrusive. It wasn't mean spirited, but you know, people would be walking by and be like, Whoa, you got the wrong hat on my man. Oh, what are you doing? The Reds really, you know, stuff like that. So it was good fun. Good natured ribbing. I talked a little bit of smack back on Sunday because they were winning so big. But um, ultimately, you know, the fans were great. Uh, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel, you know, um, intimidated at all. So I do, I do want to, uh, to say, uh, you know, a shout out to them. They were, they were very welcoming. The ballpark itself, Jeff, uh, because it had to be designed in that way, there are some drawbacks. The concourses, I think, are less than half the size of the concourses at, you know, Great American Ballpark and other stadiums. Uh, it was very difficult to move around the stadium uh, in in the middle portions of the game because there were just so much people. And they do a good job of having concessions and restrooms so that you don't have to travel a whole lot around the ballpark unless you're just really trying to do that. But um, it was very difficult to move around um, because it's sandwiched into a small space. The upper bowl of the stadium is one of those ballparks where you feel like you need a rope to help pull yourself up the stairs because <laughs> it's straight up. Um, but beyond that, it was a great time. The stadium is beautiful. Um, I've got some, I've got some pictures up on, on my Twitter feed. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, this is one of the pictures I took from uh, left field in the upper bowl, uh, looking out over that uh, right field porch into McCovey Cove. Uh, there's really not a bad seat at all in the stadium, Jeff. I think That's that, uh, I think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they did a fantastic job. The area around the ballpark, they, there's tons of, they have tons of traffic control and police presence. Now this is dropped into basically the downtown area. So there's not a lot, it's not surrounded by parking lots. It's not surrounded by that type of infrastructure. So everybody is parking out in the peripheral and walking in. So there's tons of foot traffic after the game. The police shut down streets so that you can just walk and go. Uh, they do a, a fairly decent job. Sunday's game, there was 32,000 people at the ballpark. And it really, once you could get out, like I said, the concourses are very narrow. So it's, it's quite a bit of, you know, bob and weave and fight your way to an exit. But once you're out onto the sidewalk, it's real easy to navigate around the city down there and, you know, see the boats and, and look at the, the bay and the bridges. And it was just, it's really very beautiful. I guess that would be another way to distinguish you as a Reds fan too. If you're like walking around trying to, and you're like, Oh, Oh, sorry. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, cause I'm not guessing there's a lot of giants fans that are saying that. No, that that's great though about, especially about the giants fans kind of being, you know, welcoming while still being good natured about the ribbing and stuff like that. Because I remember, uh, the last time I went to a reds away game, I went to PNC park, but it was at the end of 2019 where neither the pirates nor the reds were going anywhere. And so everybody was just kind of like, eh, Hey, how's it going? We're here for a baseball game. 
this will be fun. Yeah. So, and you got the giants that are actually fighting for something too, but when you, so, all right, when you perused the cuisine in the local fair, I knew you were uh, going to ask me about um, the food. Yes. Because let's face it. That's other than the actual game itself. That's why I want to go to every other ballpark. Cause I want to see, I mean, like, what was the thing? What was your thing that you were like? Yeah. So they have, uh, you know, San Francisco on the Bay. So obviously I had to go get the clam chowder in the sourdough bread bowl because when in San Francisco, that is what you do. And at that same, at that same stand, they also had a garlic toast sandwich, the toast, toasted bread with garlic and butter with Dungeness crab pulled out. And before we started recording, my God, it was so good. (laughs) So, so they hit a home run there. Now I will tell you, I didn't go to this area, but I just kind of peeked through. They have two different areas that if I go back again, sometime I'm going to try out. One is out in right field underneath that short porch. There's actually restaurants underneath there that you're basically sitting at your table, looking out at field level at the players, looking straight in to the playing field. And what they do with that restaurant is, it's a mandatory flip. So at the end of the third inning, everybody has to leave and they bring in new people at the end of the sixth inning. Everybody has to leave and they bring in new people. And then the last batch gets to stay through the ninth inning. So I want to try that spot out. And then the the 200 level, the second level of that ballpark uh, is a premium area. They it's sponsored by Alaska airlines. So that's what you're looking for if you're trying to get tickets there. Um, But they have, uh, the only people that can get on that level have to have a ticket on that level. You can't even wander through there. Special access to get in. They have premium food selections in there. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a premier premium experience, but doesn't cost a whole lot more. So I'll probably try that next time. And it looked like they had a lot of interesting food choices down there as well that I'm going to have to hit up next time. But for me, that that seafood stand was the winner of the day with uh, the Dungeness crab and the clam chowder and the sourdough bread. That's uh, that's what I imagine, like going to different ballparks, like in Baltimore or Boston or something like that. Like that'll be the time that I actually eat seafood at the ballpark. Like it kind of sounds I mean, because we're used to going to Cincinnati, like you again, seafood. At a no, that's like gas. That's like gas station sushi, my friend. We don't yeah. do that. I think I remember like a couple of years ago, they put sushi on the menu and you're like, yeah. no. Did sure. that come out of the did that come out of the river? Like where did that come from? <laughs> Is that on my three-way? No? Okay. Never mind. No, I oh, don't my, want that either. Um, you but, know, my my big takeaway, Jeff, I think for this ballpark is that uh given the the constraints that they had, they did an amazing job. Uh there's some things that they could have done different. You brought up PNC ballpark. Uh, Pittsburgh hit a home run in the way that they positioned that stadium and the sight lines and the views. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Great American Ballpark was a swing and a miss on that, I think. And, and Oracle Park in San Francisco, they had to put it the way that they did. But if they had somehow been able to kind of just take that whole stadium and rotate it so that that right field porch looked out over the Oakland Bay Bridge and out into the bay, it would have been one of the most amazing views in baseball. But they couldn't do it because of just the way the space is situated. But ultimately, Jeff, uh, if I ever get the opportunity, I will go back because Oracle Ballpark is worth a visit and it is uh, worth a return. And I encourage anybody that gets the chance to go, uh, if you have the opportunity to check it out, check it out uh coming up in just a minute we will compare oracle to great american ballpark uh, a little bit more i'll tell you what's good and what's not and uh you can bet that 
Jesse Winker and Rysel Iglesias are not going to be exchanging Christmas cards this year after what we saw on the field between the Mariners and the Angels. Uh, Jeff and I will dig into that for just a little bit of fun uh, here in the third segment. Uh, but coming up, uh, we'll talk about that. And you can also uh, get some more betting information uh, by heading over to betonline.net. Uh, with the Reds off, let's look at the Guardians and the Twins because another former Red, Sonny Gray, is on the mound. Uh, but the Guardians are doing that thing they do where they get red hot as the temperatures get red hot through the dog days of summer. Bet Online has the home Guardians as underdogs to Sunny Gray and the Twins with a negative 111. So the, the Twins are favored on the money line. And of course, uh, Jeff is taking the bet, which means that you probably shouldn't. So go and smash the money line on the Twins because Jeff always steers you wrong. Not really, but I like to give him crap. Uh, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting and sports stats and information. You can find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including uh, the Major League Baseball 2022 season. They've got futures for the upcoming NFL season. Who day? Uh, and of course, they've got all of the latest fighting news from MMA to UFC to boxing because boxing is still a thing and it's one of the best fighting sports. If you're not into it, check it out. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and so much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. That's with two Fs. So you can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs because spelling is hard for him. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. There's no Fs in that. Also, make sure you are subscribed to us on YouTube. Lots of great bonus content over there that won't appear in the audio feeds. All right, Jeff. Uh, you know, we've been talking about Oracle Park and, and the, the, the great job that they did out in San Francisco. and. You know, I mentioned uh, GABP was kind of a swing and a miss on the on the the sight lines and the the beauty of the whole thing. But um, it's always kind of fun to compare ballparks when you're looking at places you've been and yeah. you know, what's good and what's not. And uh, let's do that for just a second here between Great American Ballpark and Oracle Park because I think um, from a fan experience side of thing, well, I think well, they don't. You might have the edge. Well. Because, you know, Oracle doesn't have Frybox, so that's a, that's a big swing and a miss. Um, oh, you and your Frybox. <laughs> no, um, I, I've been to a couple myself, and it's been a few years since I got the chance to go to Petco, and, and I've been to PNC and seen some different things like that, and I still, I don't know, call me a homer, I still like Great American more than those. I like kind of what you said about Oracle's small concourses and that was something that i noticed whenever i went to wrigley too i mean wrigley's like a million years old so you know back then i think you know whatever you can say the whole thing if people were smaller or something i don't know maybe but um i like it's actually true the wide concourses of great american ballpark and i think that that is a thing that you miss now petco did have wide concourse and it was very easy to move around although it was very sectioned off and things like that. So when you moved around Oracle, was it really kind of like a continuous circle on the lower bowl and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So there was basically enough room for the lines of the concessions, which were on both sides mm -hmm. and then a single to double lane of traffic going one way and a single to double lane of traffic coming the other way. 
and and it was tight like you were bumping into people to do that so it was it was pretty crowded uh that's one of the things i appreciate about great american ballpark uh the concourses are are decent size you're able to move around the ballpark there's not really very many areas that you can't get to if you want to go check them out as you and i have demonstrated on many occasions we won't tell our secrets to too many people but we do explore that ballpark just a little bit and you know part of that is big concourses and part of it is people have figured out where they're gonna go and it's not to great american ballpark but the the concourses are big um great american ballpark has done a great job since its opening of continuing to develop out the fan experience and making the ballpark nice and adding things uh for Oracle, it feels very small because the concourses are small. You're close together. It goes up more than out as far mm -hmm. as the seating and, and the, the angles. So, you know, I felt like there was not a bad seat in the house anywhere at Oracle. And I feel the same way uh, when I'm at Great American Ballpark. Uh, I enjoy like heading out to the Bowtie Bar, hanging out, propping up on a rail. You know, I mean, you know, but oh, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I think San Francisco gets the edge just on, you know, weather and, you know, it's, it's, you know, pretty beautiful in certain sections. If you're in the right field upper bowl of Oracle, you are in fact looking out into the Bay and seeing the Bay bridge. And, and that view that I said would have been amazing if they had rotated the stadium so that you were looking out that right field porch, you get that in the upper right field bowl and it's beautiful up there. Um, it's just it's it's just one of those things that kind of takes your breath away that you know you're looking at baseball in front of you with this amazing view and you you want to go back and see that again so i think that uh from overall beauty oracle gets the edge for ease of of access and traveling around great american ballpark will get the edge i will tell you one other thing that i like about great american ballpark versus oracle so at oracle park they they have taken a lot of giant memorabilia all the way back to the New York Giants. There's New York Giants pennants and jerseys and things like that nice. scattered around the ballpark. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. You know, think Reds Hall of Fame, but scattered around the ballpark. The downside of that is it's so crowded and it's so hard to move around that you, if you try and stop and look at that stuff, you're going to get run over. <laughs> People are just going to mow you down. Um, I like that for, the, for Great American Ballpark. If you want to see those things and spend time learning and enjoying that stuff, you can go over to the Reds Hall of Fame, which is, you know, one of the best Hall of Fames in all of baseball mm -hmm. and, and really take your time and see those things. Uh, there was lots of stuff that was at Oracle that I saw as I was being herded by like, oh, I would love to check that out. Oh. It's like you're on but, a highway or something. Yeah, you're like, oh, there was, it goes. Oh, hey, hey. There, there oh, was hey. no stopping. This was, this was a no stopping zone, my friend. You would, <laughs> this was not safe to do that. So, um. The next day, Sunday, I did go back early. I got there as soon as they opened the gates and walked around and saw some of those things before people got there. But um, if you didn't know it was there and you wanted to see it during a game, there was not going to be a, a much of an opportunity to do that. That's cool. So, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll give it an, an edge, at least until I go and, and I can make my my determination, but we'll give it an edge over great American. I would, I'd be interested because it sounds like too, you also had like that experience. I feel like every time you go to another ballpark, you want that experience. You got mm -hmm. the chance to see David Bell get ejected and you got to do it from sitting, you know, uh, above or leaning on a railing above McCovey Cove and kind of get that feeling. I got a free hot dog at Wrigley one time. That was a lot of fun. It's always <laughs> about the food with you. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, yes, it really is. I promise though. I was looking at and 
I can't remember if I told this story, but whatever, real quick. I was looking at the Rookie of the Year award. I believe it was Ernie Banks' Rookie of the Year award that he got. And um, I was just looking at it thinking, you know what? I think Jonathan India is going to do it because it was toward the end of last season. It was August of 2021. And I'm like, I think Jonathan India is going to be hoisting this trophy here. And as that happened, a hot dog vendor who was carrying a tray full of hot dogs walked by and one fell off. And I bent over and I went to hand it to him and he said, cheers. And I'm like, I got my old style. I got my free hot dog. I'm at Wrigley. The hot dog was wrapped up in something. Yes, it was wrapped up. Yes. Oh, okay. Because, yes. but, Jeff- but, <laughs> but, but how can you not be romantic about baseball? I mean, just, I just, I love it so much. Anyway, okay, we're going to wrap up today's episode with a look at a couple of former Reds who decided that uh, the past is not the past. And, well, they got into a fight. Um, and, and I don't think necessarily it was Jesse Winker against Rice Iglesias. Really, if you look at the whole side of things, this was the Angels getting mad about a pitch that got really too close to Mike Trout's head on Saturday night. Now, we can debate the legitimacy of somebody throwing at Mike Trout in the bottom of the ninth inning with a two run lead. I don't think that was the case, but then the angels changed their plans because they had a probable starter set up and then they changed it to an opener to a guy that if we said his name, there's no way any Reds fan would even know this guy. So seems a little fishy. Then they throw at a couple of guys that we know their names, Julio Rodriguez, rookie extraordinaire, and Jesse Winker. And they hit Jesse Winker in the top of the second, and then all hell broke loose. They had a crazy brawl. Eight total people were ejected from the game, including both managers, Jesse Winker, Rysel Iglesias from the Angels, and a couple of other guys that, yeah, whatever. There was a couple of key members for the Mariners lineup and a couple of relievers, and I think Anthony Rendon, who was out for the rest of the year anyway, because uh, his broken wrist. But overall, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Well, listen, we, we haven't had the opportunity to talk about who I have dubbed uh, Mr. Horribly Wrong. If you remember, Rysel Iglesias actually said that during his time in Cincinnati, that the Reds were using him horribly wrong for asking him to do anything that, did, that occurred outside of the ninth inning. And it turns out that Rysel Iglesias can get excited and he can get energized in an inning other than the ninth. It's amazing. I'm going to tell you what, if you haven't seen the video of this fight, go check it out. There are haymakers getting thrown. Uh, it was an. It is a fight. Brawl. It's not a baseball. It shove is not and a shove push. push match. It yeah. was a fight, and uh, you know, some point along the way, Rysel Iglesias is throwing trays of sunflower seeds onto the field. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was bad. Um, but, Can we talk you know, about that though for a second? Because this yeah. man grabs a tray of sunflower seeds from the dugout, runs up the stairs of the Angels dugout, and then from about where like the on deck circle, a little bit, a little bit closer to third base, but in line with the on deck circle, tries to heave the tray at the Mariners dugout, and it doesn't even reach the like. It, I think it just barely reaches the baseline. Like yeah, I, don't I think, think it had the spin rate. Yeah, no spin rate on that one. If I'm Phil Nevin, interim manager who also got ejected from that game, but for the Angels, I'm like pissed at. The, I'm like, dude, you are, are closer. You're gonna hurt yourself trying to heave a whole bunch of sunflower seeds at the other team, and then after like you know, bench is clear. In fact, Jesse Winker's leading the charge on this one again. This is after the initial stuff, and they're they're coming back together. After they separate them all, they bring Rice Iglesias down into the dugout. He's still 
losing his mind. He's hitting stuff. He's he's knocking over Gatorade tubs and things like that. And you're just like, what did Jesse Winker say to write? Like, hey, dude, uh, you weren't a very good closer when you were with the I, Reds. I, I mean, think was, this probably goes way know. back to something else. There was a whole lot of Had angst to. and animosity there that, that didn't have anything to do with what was going on in that particular game. I, yeah. I would love to know what the real backstory is of that fight because he was losing his mind and and they showed like on camera they showed jesse Winker, like he's being kind of restrained but he's not really trying to be aggressive and go toward iglesias but you know jesse winker's got that look of like what's wrong with this guy what 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 the, what, what, what are you doing and it, he's like that dude who's kind of indignant that somebody else is mad at him so it's like there yeah there there had to be something else but I, i'd go check out a tie tie and colby over at locked on mariners are are covering this they had a really interesting take that you're going to want to see for yourself but some some amazing stuff that was just that was vintage reds a couple of guys who were part of those fights with the pirates and things like that so it's it's just fun to it, it's funny to watch from an outsider's perspective that now we don't have to worry about <laughs> for sure but i tell you what steve that's going to be a fun way to end today's podcast. Thank you all so much for watching, for listening. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed. We've got all kinds of Reds talk and takes coming for you as we are in. I mean, we're pretty much we're starting hug watch season. Trade season is officially going on. We've got rumors galore. The Yankees want Luis Castillo. Let's put it this way. If you don't want Luis Castillo, you are a terrible general manager. Also, there's so many other teams that are looking at different Reds players as well. We're going to be covering that all through the rest of trade season up until the trade deadline that is August 2nd this year. It's not July 31st. I don't know why we keep moving stuff, but we've got that all covered here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen. Now go check out Lockdown MLB Prospects. Lindsey Crosby has you covered on the stars of tomorrow, and he is covering the MLB draft like no other podcast from all angles. Check out Lockdown MLB Prospect. It is just like Lockdown Reds, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Steve, like I mentioned, it's hug watch season. We've got guys who may no longer be Reds. And as you said, Tyler Malley might not be pitching in a Reds uniform for very much longer. What can people expect from us, though? They can expect us to be in their feeds with any breaking news, any pressing trades, any stuff unexpected, and they can expect us to be right here, locked on Reds, every single day. I don't think we're going to do